0: what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. And as always, you can follow the uh, podcast social pages on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, Glad to be with you folks this week. Uh, Got a lot to get to. It's an exciting time. You know, Bruins season underway. Celtics are about to start. Uh, First game tomorrow night. Talk plenty about that. Patriots had a great win yesterday, which uh, really, I think, makes you believe in this team. Um, And I think that there's still certainly a lot to talk about with the team and um, how well they they performed yesterday. But we'll get into that uh, before we go uh, any further, though. I would like to say a thank you to uh, my good friend Trent Wright, who came on. Uh, Guest Friday last week. Great conversation. Uh, Trenton is the linebackers coach for uh, Framingham High School, so we had a good conversation about that. If you have not listened, you can go ahead and listen to that. Uh, You may have noticed on the social pages that uh, we are doing a a mailbag this week uh, in lieu of Guest Friday, so uh, make sure to send in questions. I'll be recording that. Probably you know sometime around ten a.m. on Friday mornings. Make sure you send in uh, questions before then. We've already gotten we've already gotten some questions, which is great. So um, you know, as always, they can they can be Boston sports related, but they can also be just sports related. You know, if you have questions that don't pertain to any of the local teams, total totally fine. Looking forward to that on Friday. So. Uh, We're going to get started. We're going to start with the Patriots. Um, Coming into Cleveland yesterday, obviously, I think, we talked about this game last week, and I think uh, there was a little, there was some concern, because I think that, you know, you're coming into this game against Cleveland where, okay, they have some decent offensive weapons. You know, they have a couple of guys that potential game wreckers, and you know, Miles Garrett was in the game on Sunday, played pretty well, but man, in mean, the story of this game, the Patriots offense just broke out in uh, a major way. And I think, you know, told you that, okay, that's the way that you want to see this team playing offense. You want to be simplifying things so that it's easy. You know, and I think that clearly you looked at a Cleveland defense that was missing a couple of the key guys. You know, Jadavion Clowney, Denzel Ward did not play. But the Patriots made it look easy against that defense. Um, You know, I think that it was not the kind of dominant running game that we were all thinking, you know, on either side. You know, the Patriots did a fantastic job with the run defense. You know, Nick Chubb really didn't get going at all in this game. You know, 12 carries, 56 yards, which, you know, is a pretty good total you know almost 5 yards a carry but i think that because the patriots um, were able to be so strong offensively specifically i think in this in the third quarter that the patriots put the browns in a position where they had to throw the ball you know they really didn't give the browns the opportunity to be able to kind of get ahead of the game get ahead of the chains and be able to run the ball consistently. The Patriots did an excellent job all day, you know, holding that Browns offense to a lot of third and longs where, you know, you're not going to be running the ball. And the Patriots basically said, okay, we're going to put the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hands. And he didn't play a very good game. Patriots did a great job getting to him, making him feel uncomfortable, had a couple interceptions, you know, big interception on the second play of the game. But I think major story of this game, the Patriots offense was awesome in this game. You know, really, the only negative from this game was the penalties. And I think that we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think that's one of the areas where you can't be doing that. You know, you can't be having so many offensive penalties. And that's kind of what it was yesterday. You know, they were lucky enough that they were not able to, or that they didn't put themselves in bad positions on you know, second and long, third and long, Um, you know, the Patriots were kind of lucky the way that they were able to play so well offensively that they kind of could play well despite the penalties. Um, But I think that, you know, this is a game that you should feel very, very good about this team and the way that they played. And I think that, you know, clearly, to me, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, um, as long as you have a quarterback that's going to limit turnovers and smart and I think that that's what we've seen from Bailey happy in his first two games here or first two starts um that he's been smart he's taking care of the football and that's really all you can ask for a quarterback and I think geez all you can ask for a third string quarterback that was really not expected to play this season you know and that's kind of the amazing I mean, he gets thrown into the fire in that Green Bay game and kind of holds his own and has improved each week that he's played. You know, you've seen great improvements each week, which is kind of amazing that it's like, okay, here's a fourth-round quarterback who kind of we all thought was a project quarterback. You know, you saw the way that he played in the preseason was pretty inaccurate, and you're thinking, okay, here's a guy that's going to take a couple years to be, you know, an NFL quarterback, but it's like, okay, really kind of 2 handed. You know, you get two hands tied behind your back with the Patriots losing Mac Jones and Brian Boyer where it throws him into the fire, where it's like, okay, kind of got to see what he can do. But I think that the Patriots offensive coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for being able to put him in the position to succeed. You know, I think that it would be very easy for the Patriots to, you know, look at that record that they had two weeks ago and said, oh my God, one in three. We have to start doing some things, you know, some some crazy kind of out-of-the-box things. But I think that they've kind of stuck to their guns that, okay, this is the way we're going to play and we're going to be smart and take care of the football. And I think um, just the way that they've been able to kind of have a seamless tr- transition from, you know, Mac Jones to a third-string, fourth-round rookie quarterback and have been able to make him look like he belongs and like he could start for some NFL teams. You know, you look at some teams this year that have had really bad quarterback play. Bailey Zappi could probably start for a couple teams, but you know, I don't wanna say that we know what he's gonna be because I think clearly you get put into a position like this where you kind of have to succeed, um, where the Patriots kind of were like, okay, we're in a position where we need this guy to play well. Because if he doesn't, then it's like, okay, we're going to have to go into the bargain bin of, you know, unsigned quarterbacks. So it's just a great offensive game. You know, Zappy I think, made a lot of great throws. The great thing about this game is there were a lot of guys that were involved. You know, Jacoby Myers doing his thing like he usually does. But the Patriots were able to get Devontae Parker into this game made a couple of big plays you know Hunter Henry had the touchdown Johnny Smith had that big 50 yard game uh, uh rumble in the third quarter you know you even had a you know, Tyquan Thornton getting some touches scoring a couple touchdowns so it's like you know Patriots did lose Kendrick Bourne at some point in the first half with a toe injury he just had the one reception for 17 yards but the fact the Patriots were able to get Tyquan Thornton involved and involved very quickly, you know, is kind of impressive. You know, I think that everyone wants to talk about the Patriots and their, you know, futility with drafting receivers. You know, that's a conversation for another day. But the fact that, you know, Tyquan, you know, breaks his collarbone in or whatever the injury was in the preseason game, he's able to be out for a long time comes back in and makes an impact. There's a second career game that he's played, and the fact that the Patriots were already using him in a kind of similar way that they used Aguilar, like you gotta feel pretty good about this kid. You know, with the jet sweep touchdown, with the touchdown catch on third down in the red zone. You know, it's it's good to see that the Patriots can get a wide receiver like this involved with the team early on. Um, Because the Patriots really need that, because I think, you know, losing Bourne in this game and then already not having Aguilar made you think, okay, the Patriots are kind of short on receivers here, but Thornton did a great job, broke out in this game, you know, with the two touchdowns. Um, I think Ramondre Stevenson, solid game, you know, wasn't over over the top, you know, did have a couple touchdowns, that 31-yard touchdown. Um, in the second quarter toward near halftime was, I think, a really ballsy play call that the Patriots are able to call and draw on third and nine and, you know, take advantage of that aggressive Cleveland defense. And, you know, Ramondre makes a couple cuts and he gets into the end zone um, because I think to that point, Patriots had been moving the ball effectively, but hadn't really gotten their offense going. And then it was really third and fourth quarter. They poured it on. With the touchdowns to, to Henry, Taekwon Thornton. Um, so, just a really good offensive game for this team. And I think finally you could see this team truly breaking out and truly, you know, making things easy for the offense. And I think that you can hope, you should hope that the Patriots, once Mac Jones is healthy and back, that they can be able to kind of continue to have things easy and simple you know and i think it could have just been mac jones in the first couple games just trying to do too much you know and i think the biggest thing with him is you know hopefully he's watching these games that zappy has played and understanding okay i need to start being better and be more protective with the football you know making the easy play not making the hard play not Having to throw the ball into tight windows on every throw, you know, trying to make the right throws, make the right reads, and I think that, you know, it could be that the offense was a lot more simplified on purpose with Bailey Zappi because he's a third string quarterback. But I think with the way the Patriots are able to move the ball passing, passing yesterday, you gotta think that, okay, maybe they can play use some of the passing game like that when Mac drones comes back. So, you know, a very good offensive game and I think makes you believe that okay, this is a good offensive team. You know, I think as as always, I think with this with the with the media in this town, they tend to prefer to kind of make things look a lot worse than they are, you know, which was kind of the case in training camp and preseason and you know that's not an offense you looked at the way that they performed on offense yesterday you know that's not what people were making it out to be in the summer that oh my god you know can't move the ball you know offense back in the stone ages you know whatever you wanted to say you know i don't really think that they're as bad as people people said that they were going to be and i kind of said that from the beginning that you know let's see how it plays out and six games in three and three it's probably not where they want to be but they've looked pretty good on offense in the last couple of games they kind of seem to have gotten their rhythm even with some guys out of the lineup you know damian harris didn't play yesterday I think there might be some concern about him long term if he's, you know, going to be out some games. That's why you saw Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris uh, get some touches late in the fourth quarter. Um, So that might be something interesting to pay attention to. Um, But I think that great game for the offense, great game for Taequann Thornton. You know, using his speed, not taking advantage, but like utilizing his skill set in the best way possible. Um but I also think, you know, the run defense deserves a lot of credit, you know, for stifling Nick Chubb, who is the you know, NFL leader in rushing yards and you know, making it making it more difficult on that Cleveland Browns offense that, okay, we're gonna stop the run, we're gonna force you to beat us through the air and you know, Jacoby Brissett had a lot of yards but had a lot of mistakes, you know, the two interceptions, the lost fumble. Um, the Patriots did a great job getting to the quarterback, um, in this game. So, you know, it made you feel confident that, okay, they are playing the right way defensively and offensively, you know, the penalties I think can get cleaned up. I think that that's clearly something that's going to be an emphasis this week with the Patriots having a longer week as they play Monday night next week. We'll talk about that in a moment, but I think it is concerning, you know, Isaiah Wynn is, really having a hard time out there you know I think me personally I'm kind of at my wits end with him and I think that you know hey that's the reason why you brought in Marcus Cannon um, and I think that you know maybe he gets replaced I also do think to Wins defense he is playing a different side of the offensive line which is a lot more difficult than it sounds you know I think a lot of people think okay you're on the offensive line how much different can it be but You know, when you're switching sides of the line from left tackle to right tackle, you know, it definitely is an adjustment period. Not to say that it's okay the amount of penalties and the amount of things that he's doing poorly. That's not an excuse, but I just do think it is interesting that they are asking him to play a different side of the line, you know, and timing and things like that can be off as we've seen you know, a lot of false starts, some holdings, and clearly plays that he's been beaten to the quarterback. And, you know, you've seen sacks, you've seen a couple injuries, unfortunately. Um, But I do think that, you know, I can't see them bringing him past or bringing him back with the team beyond this year. I think if he's going to struggle this much on the right side. um, But I think, you know, that's why Marcus Cannon's with the team. So, you know, you could see Cannon maybe replacing him at some point this season because they think the penalties cannot continue to happen because the Patriots are going to get into games against teams where they're going to need to score a good amount of points. And you can't be hurting your own team. With holdings and false starts and things like that, the Patriots kind of were able to be okay offensively despite the penalties. But it's like you're not going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to play at that level on offense every single week. You know, ideally we would like them to play at that high level every single week, but it's just not going to happen every single game. So they have to be very careful uh, with the penalties, and you know, hopefully that can get cleaned up this week and hopefully the patriots can continue to you know continue this momentum offensively um, and i think it should help with mac jones potential return on monday next week i mean i think that conventional wisdom should tell you that he should be available you know you think about the green bay game obviously didn't obviously didn't, didn't play wasn't anywhere close to being being available but then you know you have him doubtful and then ruled out before the Detroit game. And then this week, you know, he's questionable, travels with the team, he was on the sideline. So, you know, that should tell you that, okay, another week should get him pretty close to game action. Um, And I also think it helps that the Patriots are playing Monday night, so they get an extra day where, you know, hopefully they can be extra time for preparation or just making sure that Mac's going to be 100%. So you got to think that he plays against the Bears, but I could also think that, you know, the Patriots could play Zappi again just because the Bears are not a good football team and it could just be okay. There may not be a reason to play Mac, but I also think if a 100%, they're going to play him. And I think that's just kind of the end of the day. So no, there's no quarterback controversy. I, I, I hate to say it, because I think it would grab a lot of headlines if I said that it's a controversy, but I don't think it is. I think that Zappy has played, you know, beyond expectation, which I think is great, because it shows you that, okay, this kid does have ability, and he does have the ability to play at an NFL level, and having that guy as a backup, you know, is pretty good, you know, that God forbid Matt gets hurt again, he re-injures that ankle or something like that, you know, or he just plays very poorly and you have to go back to Zappy. But I think just having the ability to see what the kid can do in the three games that he's played, he's looked pretty good. So I think it's a positive. It doesn't have to be a negative that, okay, he's going to take Matt's job, which I think you're going to probably hear a lot about a lot of that this week on the local local media stations, um, which is unfortunate because it's going to take away from the fact that the Patriots had a great offensive game yesterday, but all people want to talk about is controversy and, you know, making headlines, but again, that's kind of what the media culture does here anyway, so you can't really be surprised, but I think that you should see Mac Monday night um, against the Bears. I think that you're going to see him play and, you know, hopefully take care of the football. Um, But I do think that this is a, it's a good situation for Mac to be able to ease into being the starting quarterback because you're playing a Bears team that is, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. Um, Defensively, they're just very poor. You know, offensively, clearly you got Justin Fields and that will be, interesting to see how the Patriots deal with him. You know, I think you saw the Patriots struggle clearly with the running quarterback of Lamar Jackson a couple of weeks ago. You know, Justin Fields is not Lamar Jackson, but he is, you know a mobile quarterback that is going to try to run. So I'm curious to see how the defense deals with that. You know, I think that their running backs aren't really anything special. you know, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, you know, they're decent. you know, I'm not trying to say that they're bad players. But I think that this is not a Baltimore team. You know, this is a team that has a much worse offensive line. The Patriots should have no problem getting to Justin Fields and applying pressure. It's just going to be okay when he escapes that pocket. Or the Patriots going to have enough athletes to be able to not let him run all over the field. Um, I think offensively, you just continue with what's working. You know, I think you continue to be an established the run type of team but i do think you want to get some more of your receivers to continue to be involved it was great to see the tight ends get involved yesterday and i think this might be another game that you try to you know take advantage of that soft defense you know going to be curious to see if the patriots um, you know what the offense looks like if mac jones comes back and You know, do they run some more play action? You saw more of that yesterday. Um, But I'm pretty confident that this team should be able to win. Um, I think kind of the early spread is the Patriots are favored by seven and a half, which I think is a little bit too low. But I think that this will be a good game for the Patriots to ease into getting Mac Jones back in the lineup, assuming that he plays um, in front of that home crowd Monday night game. And hopefully the Patriots can get over 500 before they play a uh, somewhat decent New York Jets team, uh, because that's the next team that the Patriots play. So, you know, hopefully Patriots can get Mac Jones into it, into a rhythm, and then they get the Jets on the road, which, you know, might be a, might be somewhat of a decent game. So uh, looking forward to the Patriots game Monday night, I do expect Mac Jones plays, but you know, I guess you never know, but I think it would. I think anyway, this probably was a good target date for Mac Jones's return. You know, assuming that the high ankle sprain was not anything super serious, which I think clearly it's not. If he's been able to, if he has a very good chance to be able to return after three games, and you know Zappy and company have held it down, which I think is. The, the best thing that you could hope for you know I think that worst case scenario this team's one in five and they need Mac Drillen's back but it's just good to see that Zappy played so well and I think it's it can be a positive it doesn't have to be this big whole QB controversy it really doesn't need to be it can just be their offense played well and they won the game but oftentimes it's uh a little too difficult for people around here to be that rational. So I think we're going to move on to the Bruins. We will return to the NFL, talk about some of the games yesterday, but here we are talking about the Bruins who have uh, looked pretty good in their first two games. Uh, 5-2 win against the Capitals in their opening or um, like opening game On uh, Wednesday, it was a 5-2 win. Really good offensive game, David Krejci. David Pasternak, kind of the story of that game. And, you know, David Krejci just looks like he always looks, you know, which is, it's not surprising to me. You know, I know that there were some, maybe some concerns that, okay, a year away from the NHL is going to be challenging for him. But it's just, it's just the way that he plays the game. It's just he makes it look so easy. And I think that you've seen him through two games that he just looks totally comfortable, totally himself. It's like he never left, you know, it's pretty amazing. So it was great to see him and Pasternak perform very well on Wednesday night. They were kind of the story of the game. Um, But I think the Bruins have gotten goal scoring up and down the lineup. And I think that that is a great sign. You know, you've seen pretty much everyone score goals. They've played two games, and the only guys that haven't recorded any points, you know, Brandon Carlo, Nosik, Zaboro, Lauko, and Jake DeBrusque, and two of those guys are currently injured right now. But I think it just goes to show you that, okay, this is an offense that, you know, and I was thinking about this Saturday night as the Bruins beat the Uh, Coyotes 6-3, so they're 2-0. But I was thinking about this, that it was great to see that you had your top guys, Krejci, Pasternak, performing in that first game. They didn't really do too much on the scoreboard in the second game. I think Krejci had an assist. Pasta didn't have any points, but you saw the other guys being able to put up points. You know, A.J. Greer, two goals in that game, Pafuzaka, an assist. Or excuse me, a goal. Nick Foligno had a goal and an assist. Charlie Coyle with a goal. Uh, Derek Forber with a goal. You know, Craig Smith with an assist. And I think if the Bruins can get games like that, where the top guys maybe don't perform, you know, and it's not a negative, but I think if you can get scoring from other places on nights where it's not Bergeron, Krejci, Pasternak, you know, that's huge. You know, it's huge that you can get goals from A.J. Greer, Pavel Zaka, Nick Foligno, Charlie Coyle. You know, that's not to say that they're going to score every single game. But I think just to have that start, just to have that confidence, especially for a guy like Foligno that struggled a lot last season. And I think it could have had a good amount to do with injuries. You know, I think that we think, you know, Charlie Coyle was playing hurt two years ago had 16 points, was just not a good player, but then he comes back last year as 44 points, which was, I think, second most points he's ever had in a season. You know, so maybe it it stands to reason that if Nick Foligno is totally healthy and totally, you know, motivated and ready to go, that maybe he has a better season. You know, he scored two goals all whole last season. He's already halfway there, so I think... You've seen an energized Nick Foligno, which I think is great. You've seen Pavel Zaka be able to put up points. And I think having that line of Krejci, Pasternak, and Zaka is just huge. And I think, um, you know, getting Taylor Hall to play with Bergeron, I think, is great. You know, Craig Smith, I think, is a good fit on that line with Bergeron and Hall. Um, And I think Jacob Lauko, you know, he's not put up any points yet, but he's a plus three. He's been a good guy that brings you know that edge some of that nastiness which I think is going to be kind of important tonight you know we'll talk about that in a moment but I think just to see him playing with the energy uh, and playing with the the edge and the grit that the Bruins want to see him play with and I think that's part of the reason why he made the team because the Bruins love his speed and they love his willingness to get into the dirty areas and I think Seeing a player like him motivated is great. You know, seeing a player like Trent Frederick that, you know, the Bruins were kind of disappointed with how he performed in training camp and the preseason. But he, you know, comes in for Jake DeBrusque on Saturday and makes an impact. You know, a plus three, had an assist, you know, had a fight, had a couple shots on goal. And I think the Bruins want him to be a player that can make an impact and not necessarily scoring goals every single game, but I think doing things that help, t- help the team, um, and I think the Bruins want to see kind of a more complete player out of him, but it was, you know, great early returns on a lot of these guys. I think the team does look very comfortable. Um, I do think that, unfortunately, there has been some sloppiness, and I think it's to be expected two games into the season. You know, I think that Clearly, guys are still getting acclimated to the new year. Some guys getting acclimated to new roles. But I do think that, you know, you watch some of that first period against the Coyotes on Saturday. And the Bruins looked like they were playing an AHL team. You know, the Bruins just were dominating the game. And I think, you know, unfortunately, may have gotten a little too high and a little complacent, you know, allowing Arizona to get back in the game in the second period, tying the game. But then I do think the Bruins got back to playing that style of hockey in the third period as they just took control. Um, but I do think that through two games, you know, you've seen the Bruins jump out to good leads and then have the other team kind of get closer. You know, you saw it in Washington on Wednesday night. Bruins jump out to a 3 nothing lead. Uh, Washington gets two goals back on a couple of odd man rushes. So, you know, you want to see the Bruins clean that up, you know, and try to be able to do their best to play a full 60. Um, Because I do think as much as everyone's comfortable, you do want to make sure that you are continuing to play with good habits. And I think, you know, look, the Bruins are playing for a new coach. They're playing in a system that I think is a little bit different. You know, I think that, The basic stuff is still there, but I do think that with the way that the Bruins are encouraging their defensemen to be more active offensively, the Bruins, I think, unfortunately, are going to be susceptible to a lot more of kind of odd man rushes or, you know, defensemen being really far in the offensive zone where, okay, there needs to be a forward that can get back you know, get into that guy's position and be able to not give up too many chances. But I do think that the Bruins are going to be probably still dealing with trying to adjust to a new system. And I think you could see some games where the Bruins just are turning the puck over constantly in the offensive zone, leading to a lot of goals on odd man rushes. But you hope that the Bruins can... Adjust to it and understand that, okay, this is the way we're going to play. You know, we have to understand that guys are going to take chances and we're going to need to be as alert as we possibly can. So I think, unfortunately, the Bruins have been hit with a couple of injuries uh, early on in the season. Uh, Jake Debrusque left that first game in Washington with uh, what looked like a right arm injury. Um, I think that in the pregame ceremonies, if you had paid attention, um, he did have his right hand in his pocket, kind of looked like there was uh, some type of wrist thing that he had on his hand. You know, obviously, I don't want to speculate, but the Bruins do believe that the injury might keep him out for a little bit, but they don't expect that it's going to be more than 10 days. So that's at least a good sign that, you know, it's probably not a long-term thing Uh, Brandon Carlo, unfortunately, left the game Saturday with an upper body injury. It is concerning because he does have a history of head injuries. You know, we obviously don't want to speculate either. But, you know, having him go down, you know, really sucks because he was a guy that I think the Bruins really wanted to see more from this season. And, you know, if he's got to spend some time on the shelf two games into the season, you know, you got to hope that he can be okay. You know, I think that Jim Montgomery had said that he was doing better yesterday than he was the day before, or he wasn't doing as poorly as they had expected. So, you know, hopefully it's nothing serious, but clearly if there's a player with head injury, head injury history, you want to be as careful as you possibly can. So uh, clearly Trent Frederick drew into the lineup Saturday night. Um, so, again, you know, good, solid game from him. You know, a goal away from a Gordie Howe hat-trick, which is a goal assist in a fight. So, you know, I think he played with some great energy. Um, so hopefully he can continue to bring that. Um, AJ Greer moved over to the right side with Charlie Coyle on Saturday night and obviously was great, at three points, had an assist on Coyle's goal, and then scored two of his own, including an empty including an empty netter. So hopefully that line can... can pick up where they left off uh, Saturday night with each guy being able to record at least a point. So, the Bruins did call up Daniel Renouf, who um, was a free agent signing this summer, Um, has not played too many NHL games. He's kind of been a career minor leaguer, I guess you could say, Um, undrafted, 28 years old, had played a total of 23 games in his career has played some games for Detroit, some games for Colorado. He played four games with Detroit last season, 18 with Colorado this season before. Um, Bruins calling him up, um, I think he had a decent preseason, uh, was one of the last cuts at training camp, is a big guy, you know, 6'2", 205. And I think the Bruins like the surliness that he plays with. And I think that that's the reason why he got the call up. Um, as I think the Bruins are a team that want to be able to kind of continue to have, I don't want to say a physical edge, but have someone that has the ability to kind of throw throw the body weight around. And I think it'd be good to see him if he draws into the lineup tonight. I don't know if he does, um, but be curious to see what he can do. You know, left shot defenseman um, most likely would probably play on the third pair. can't imagine that the Bruins would throw him into the top pair with Hampus Lindholm or the second pair. You know, I think that practice lines yesterday had Hampus Lindholm playing with Mike Riley, Forbert playing with uh, Connor Clifton, and then Zaboral and Renouf, but I'm not positive about that. So that will be interesting to see. The Bruins are expecting um, Anton Stroman to be available soon. Maybe not tonight. Hopefully he can be available tomorrow. There's some um, issues I think with his work visa. I'm not sure how that works exactly, but it sounds like he could be able to be available to play Tuesday night. Bruins, you know, clearly if Carlo's going to miss some time, they're going to want Strawman to come into the lineup. So you could see him Tuesday night in Ottawa. Bruins don't play, or excuse me, Bruins play tonight against Florida. At the Garden, uh, seven o'clock start times for both of those games. Um, the Bruins do did have some kind of injury. Or there are some injury updates on a couple of guys that had offseason surgery. Brad Marchand was seen uh, participating in like a light a light practice session yesterday. You know, skating around, taking some shots. You know, not cleared for contact you know, just was out there skating around and, you know, early returns made it look like he looked good. Doesn't sound like he's anywhere close to coming back. You know, they still think the return date is sometime in late November, which, you know, could land him around Thanksgiving. You know, hopefully, if it is late November, he can come back around that target date and not be after, um, assuming that there's no setbacks. But there was a little blurb in the Globe and he made it sound like he feels good so you know that's at least positive that he feels great after the surgeries but hopefully no setbacks and the prudence can get him back in you know a month or so matt Grizzlick, i think there was some conversation earlier in the week that he could be available to play this coming weekend i don't think that's going to happen uh, it sounds like he's experiencing some soreness in his shoulder so that probably tells you that he's not close to returning to game action but You know, hopefully the Bruins can get him back sooner than later, that at some point in November and the Bruins can kind of get back to some, a little bit of sense of normalcy on the defensive um, or on the blue line. So looking at the Bruins' schedule this week, it is a very interesting schedule, and I think some games that uh, could definitely test the defense. Um, Obviously tonight, Florida with the trade of Matt Kachuk, you know, he's going to play the game that, the way that he's going to play the game. And, you know, I said earlier about Laoco, you know, not being afraid to mix it up and kind of get in there. This is going to be a game that you can bet Florida is going to be trying to set the tone and try to be physical and try to, you know, use some nastiness and grittiness. You know, Kachuk is no stranger to that. But I think that, I'm very curious to see how the Bruins respond to that tonight. You know, it doesn't mean that there needs to be a line. brawl, doesn't mean that there needs to be, you know, a fight two minutes, two minutes into the game. But I do think making sure that the Bruins do not let Florida come in and set that tone, that the Bruins set the tone from the beginning. So you can expect Lauco, A.J. Greer, you know, Trent Frederick to kind of get their nose in there a little bit. And I think... That may be part of the reason why the Bruins called up Daniel Renouf. Because he's also a guy that can kind of play with some surliness. So um, you can expect some nastiness tonight. So very excited to see how the Bruins do. But, you know, clearly Florida, very talented offensive team still, even with the trade of Huberto, you know, clearly. Kachuk Barkov is still there. Uh, Sam Sam Reinhardt is still there. Um, unfortunately, Anthony Duclair I think is out for about half the season as he comes back from a um, from an Achilles injury. So you know, Florida missing some guys, but I do think it's a good offensive team and it's a good test too because I do expect Florida is going to be a playoff team this year. So that will be interesting. Then the Bruins have a back to back as they travel to Ottawa to play the Senators on Tuesday night. So, another good test for the defense with, you know, obviously the big sexy moves that Ottawa made in the off season with uh, signing Giroux, trading for Alex Dabrinkit, but, you know, that's a team that still has a lot of questions defensively and in goal. So, interested to see how the Bruins play that game because, you know, the defense is clearly going to get put to the test if Carlo is out already. So. You know, two good offensive teams that you're going to see. Then you're going to see Anaheim Thursday night. They're a good young offensive team. So good tests for the Bruins. And then Saturday afternoon, Bruins will honor Sidney Ochara pregame and then play the Minnesota Wild, who are also a very good, talented, young offensive team. So it would be a good test for the Bruins' defense this week, that's for sure. Um, so excited to see how they can do. You know, probably we'll have some tough games in there. Bruins aren't going to go 82-0, as my brother texted me the other day, asked if they're going to go undefeated. No, I don't expect they're going to go undefeated. But I'm excited to see how they respond with four teams that are pretty decent offensively, three home games. So hopefully the Bruins can, you know, get some home cooking and continue to uh, start the season off on the right foot. So I think we're going to cover the Celtics now as we move on from the Bruins. The Celtics obviously uh, open the season tomorrow night, 7.30. Celtics and Sixers at the Garden. It's going to be great. Really excited to see uh, the Celtics in action um, regular season-wise. So, look, this is a team that's going to be really good. Um, And I think just kind of talking about the Final preseason thoughts that I have. This is a team, and I said this a couple times in the preseason. This is a team that looks ready. This is a team that looks ready to compete and ready to compete for an NBA championship. Ready to, you know, be motivated from losing in the finals last year. Motivated from, you know, having to deal with all the stuff with the coaching staff and kind of the, the upheaval, if you will. Uh, but I think. The team trusts Joe Missoula, the players do, the organization does, the organization does, and I think this is a team that looks ready and looks focused, Um, you know, not going to say that they're going to reel off 10 wins in a row to start the season, but the preseason is exactly what you wanted to see from certain guys, that you want to see guys engaged, ready to go, you know, didn't really matter the performance. Of certain guys necessarily, but you know, Jalen Brown was great. I think Tatum had his moments in the preseason. You know, Sam Hauser clearly did too. Um, Derek White was fantastic in Montreal in the final preseason game. Um, Grant Williams, I think, is going to grow more into a role. You know, Brogdon looked really, really good. The Celtics did hold him out of the second half in Montreal, I think just out of precautionary reasons. So, there are guys that look ready and look ready to compete and, you know, they all look really motivated, which is great. Um, you know, I think the the Montreal game was interesting. You know, there are a couple of interesting things that happened that, you know, Derek white made a lot of big shots, you know, Jalen Brown just do, doing what he always does. Just, you know, shooting well, playing good defense, you know, driving to the basket, doing all the things that we expect from him. Um, And I think, very curious about how Tatum starts the season. You know, I think has had some games where he doesn't shoot well in the early going, but I think that the way that he has kind of, the way that he's motivated from the finals loss is something that should tell you that, okay, he's gonna come back with a vengeance. He's going to come back to be like, okay, that finals series is behind me. I'm not going to let it define me and go out and prove why he is an all-NBA player. And I'm not going to be surprised um, if Jalen Brown makes an all-NBA team as well this year. So, you know, you want those two guys to be the leaders. Um, And I think that that's what you're going to see in the early going. So, you know, I think that... Jason's, uh, uh, run-ins with officials, um, is something that I think is always not a concern, but it's something that you look at, you know, I think it was, you know, total BS that he got ejected from that game in Montreal. I mean, it's just, I don't understand the kind of, I don't know, setting an example in a preseason game. I, mean, I don't know what that does. Um, but it is just something to kind of keep, keep your eye on that you want the Celtics to be focused on the game and not be, you know, complaining to the officials all the time. You know, you want this team to be focused and be motivated and play at the level that we expect them to. So, I think looking at the Celtics roster, it does look like it is pretty much set with the Celtics having... J.D. Davison and Fiondu Cavangeli on uh, two-way contracts. It does appear that the Celtics are bringing Noah Vonleh and Justin Jackson onto the roster, so it seems like those are the two guys that, you know, it's kind of some some question as to who gets those final two roster spots. Um, But I think also with the signing of Blake Griffin, that also becomes a taken roster spot. So the Celtics are going to roll with Blake Griffin, Vonley, and Justin Jackson as the final three guys off the bench. I do believe that Gallinari and Robert Williams do count against the roster total, Um, but obviously Rob Williams will return at some point this season won't see gallinari at any point this season i do think that perhaps and this is just me speculating perhaps he could be available at some point in the playoffs but that is if he goes through treatment without any setbacks you know gets back onto the court i think he literally just started walking without crutches so you know it's going to be kind of a long road for him but hey never say never you could see him playing for the Celtics at some point in the playoffs but I don't want to set that as like that is going to happen it may happen but I think most likely you're not going to see him perform in a Celtics uniform uh, until next season which is really too bad because you know if the Celtics had him healthy I mean goodness gracious this would be a team that I think it's funny because they're actually already betting favorites to win the NBA title but they would be almost unstoppable if They had a Gallinari, so, but I am very excited about this team. You know, I think that even kind of the end of the bench guys are going to get opportunities. You know, someone like Sam Hauser, someone like Luke Cornett, the Celtics have a very deep team. Um, And I think even starting the season with Derek White in that starting lineup, you have the ability to bring in Malcolm Brogdon, Grant Williams, you know, Peyton Pritchard, Hauser, Blake Griffin. You have the opportunity to bring in all those guys off the bench. So really excited to see what they look like. But look, that Sixers team is going to be very good. And I do think that they're going to be highly motivated as well. So you could see a very good game tomorrow night. I'm very excited. Um, You know, get that garden crowd. You know, the Celtics will be playing, playing for Bill Russell the entire season. So You know, that will be something interesting to watch. Hopefully there are some, you know, cool pregame things that the Celtics can do to honor uh, the life of Bill Russell. So that is also something to look forward to tomorrow night as the Celtics Sixers on TNT. Uh, Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon both maybe a little bit banged up from that Montreal game. The Celtics obviously held Brogdon out of the game in the second half, but I think that was just a precautionary move. Marcus Smart did take a couple of hits, took a fall um, in Montreal that kind of looked a little bit uncomfortable. Doesn't sound like he's thinking that it's a serious injury because, you know, he's a guy that does take a lot of hard hits, but uh, that floor in Montreal was a big problem. There were guys slipping around all over the place. So I think that was... Definitely a big concern um, in that game. There were guys slipping. Um, so you got to hope that, you know, Marcus can be okay. But I think that, yes, there were some big issues with that floor. Um, and I do think the NBA, you know, that needs to be something that player safety has to be taken seriously. And I don't know if it really was in that game. You know, I understand NBA trying to expand and I think it makes sense, but I think it can't be at the expense of player safety. Um, but it is interesting that there are a lot of fans in Montreal. I do think that, you know, if the NBA does expand, Montreal certainly could be on, you know, a short list of places that they could expand to. Montreal, Seattle, you know, those are a couple spots that I think they could expand to because um, it was great to see the fan, great to see all the fan um like engagement and support, a good amount of Celtics fans in Montreal. That was kind of interesting, but um, you know, I think that yes, you want things to be. You want things to be safe, at the end of the day. So you know, this is a Celtics team that I'm really excited for. I think that you know, looking at the first week schedule, Celtics obviously take on the Sixers Tuesday night at the Garden. But then the Celtics do have a road trip. Um, after that, they have a Friday game in Miami and then Sunday night, they will take on, or excuse me, Saturday night, they will take on the magic. So Celtics with three games out of the gate, Philly, Miami, Orlando, Celtics will play at Chicago Monday night next week. So maybe some, uh, maybe some, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Oh my God. Maybe some, uh some conflict with uh, people that are interested in watching the Patriots game on Monday night. And ironically enough, the Celtics play the Chicago Bulls. So that's kind of funny that the uh, schedule kind of shook out that way. So yeah, we'll talk with you guys next week about the Celtics um, after the three games, Philly and Miami, you know, clearly big time teams that uh, will probably be playoff teams and teams that the Celtics will battle with. So excited to see how they come out against both of those teams. So uh, before we get to NFL Week 6, there was a bit of Red Sox, uh, not news, but something that I wanted to talk about. Um, Watching the baseball playoffs and uh, reading a piece in the Globe about the uh, players that are going to be free agents this season had me thinking about a certain player. Uh, Trey Mancini, who uh, plays for the Astros, previously had played for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, spent the majority of his career in Baltimore, I think was traded to the Astros at some point this season. He's a guy that the Red Sox are very familiar with, uh, but the reason why I'm mentioning him is because he has great numbers against the Red Sox, but he also has great numbers at Fenway Park. You know, looking at the career numbers that he has, 39 games played at Fenway, 151 at-bats, hits three thirty eight at Fenway Park. So I think that he could be a realistic target that the Red Sox look at as someone that could be a designated hitter. You know, maybe play a little first base if they need him to, um, or the outfield as well, because he's played a little in the outfield as well. But, you know. 30 years old, you know, kind of getting up there in age is not someone that I think the Red Sox would sign long-term. But I think if they think that, okay, he could be our DH and just be a hitter, you know, he's a solid hitter throughout his career, 265 career average, 18 home runs this season, but, you know, hits really well at Fenway. Could definitely be someone that should be on the Red Sox radar uh, this offseason. So curious to see if that uh, amounts into anything. So we're now going to move on, talk about NFL Week 6, talk about the uh, games this week, although uh, there is a game tonight, Monday Night Football, the uh, Chargers and the Broncos from Los Angeles. Chargers at 3-2, and two, Broncos 2-3, two and three, really in need of a big win. You know, those division games can always be interesting, so very curious to see how this game goes. Chargers favored by four and a half points. So could certainly be a really close game. So, you know, hopefully we get a good, you know, nationally televised game, unlike some of the Thursday night games that have been uh, very poor. Um, And week six started this week with a very, you know, kind of boring, low score game on Thursday night football. The Commanders beat the Bears 12 to seven. Brian Robinson scored his first career touchdown and this was a game that, you know, the Bears played, Patriots' next opponent, and not a team that inspires a lot of confidence offensively. You know, clearly, Justin Fields' dangerous throwing the football, but, you know, it's a team that can't really do much offensively, so... Commanders get the win. They improve to 2-4. and four. Bears fall to 2-4. and four. And then some games yesterday. The uh, Falcons with a pretty impressive win against the 49ers, 28-13. Marcus Mariota with three touchdowns in this game. Jimmy Garoppolo, two interceptions, two touchdown passes. The 49ers did not really play a great offensive game with three turnovers. So the Falcons improved to 3-3 three and three and the 49ers fall to three and three, a pretty surprising result uh, with the Jets and the Packers. Jets go on the road and beat the Packers at Lambeau, 27 to 10. Brees Hall had a good game on the ground. Um, The Jets defense flummoxed Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense. So good defensive game for the Jets. And, you know, look out, this team might be uh, figuring things out. So I'm curious to see. That game against the Patriots in two weeks, and the Patriots will play the Jets in New York. So, Jets with a good win, they improve to three, four and two. Packers fall to three and three. The Colts using a late fourth quarter touchdown. Matt Ryan three hundred eighty nine yards and three touchdowns, as the Colts beat the Jags thirty four to twenty seven. Colts are three two and one. Jaguars two and four. Big games for Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan as he set a Colts record with 58 pass attempts in this game was 42 of 58 for 389 yards and three touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown pass to Alec Pierce. The Vikings beat the Dolphins 24-16. Teddy Bridgewater had to come in in relief, had a pretty good game, 329 yards and two touchdowns, but the Vikings able to pull away, and they improved to 5-1. and one. Dolphins fall to 3-3, three and three, but good chance that uh, Tua returns next week for the Dolphins. I'll just be honest, I don't know how I feel about that. I can understand that they can clear him and all that, but I don't know. It just, um, it scares me a little bit that he's going to play next week. Um, so, you know, hope that he can be protected well, that he doesn't take any hard hits, but I don't know. It's just like the way that he went down in Cincinnati. Uh, really scared me and I just hope that he is truly a hundred percent cleared and that there's not anything else going on I mean just I don't know I just i concern I have just a big concern about his safety um, but the vikings get the win they improve to five and one you know it's kind of wild that they're five and one I think they're most like underrated least talked about team in the league and they're five and one it's kind of amazing. That you know, you think about the NFC, the Giants and the Eagles are getting a lot of press, but here are the Vikings five and one. I don't really know why there's not more people talking about them, but they got the win. Dalvin Cook with a touchdown run in the fourth quarter. The Bengals come from behind to beat the Saints thirty to twenty six. Joe Burrow, three hundred yards and three touchdowns, two of them to Jamar Chase. Thirty to twenty six, the final score in New Orleans. Bengals improved to three and three Saints at two and four. Uh the Giants using a late game interception of Lamar Jackson uh as they beat the Ravens 24-20. The Giants are five and one, if you can believe that. Uh Saquon Barkley with the winning touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh Baltimore yet again giving giving a game away in the fourth quarter. That's kind of been a theme for them this season. They fall to three and three with the loss. Uh, the Steelers shock the Buccaneers. At home, twenty to eighteen, the final score. Bucks fall to three and three. The Steelers um, get the win in this game. Played really well defensively. Chase Claypool with a touchdown reception as uh, Mitch Trubisky comes in in relief and leads the Steelers to a win. The Rams having no issues with the Panthers and their new interim head coach. Rams improved to three and three. They win twenty four to ten. Um, you know, not a game that the Rams really needed to <laughs> do much offensively, but they get the win. The Seahawks get the win at home, nineteen to nine, over the Cardinals, who are two and four, and a lot of questions with that franchise right now. <clears throat> The Eagles beating the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football last night was really impressed with the way the Eagles, um, you know, played in the second quarter, um, and then used that big drive in the fourth quarter to put the game away. They win twenty six to seventeen. They improved to six and zero. Still the only undefeated team in the NFL. Cowboys fall to four and two. And then the Bills beat the Chiefs yesterday afternoon. 24 to 20. Josh Allen setting up the winning touchdown with a impressive run as he jumped over a defender. Found Dawson Knox for the go ahead touchdown, and the Bills improved to five and one with the win. Chiefs fall to four and two. There are a couple teams that had a bye weeks this week: the Lions, Titans, Raiders, and Texans. And then obviously got the obviously got the Monday night game tonight. Broncos, Chargers, eight fifteen on ESPN. So I think we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the baseball playoffs, give you guys a little bit of an update. Uh, it's been pretty crazy so far with um, a couple of National League teams uh, pulling upsets at the heavily favored Dodgers and Braves. So the Phillies and the Padres have advanced to the National League Championship Series. Uh, you know, Phillies just using an onslaught Um, offensively in the two games in Philadelphia after they had split the first two in Atlanta. So that's a Phillies team that's looking very, very dangerous. And I think, you know, one of those things is they're playing like one of those teams that, you know, fought for their life the last couple of weeks of the season to stay in the playoff chase and playing against a team like Atlanta that pretty much knew they were going to the playoffs you know, there was a little bit of a question of whether they were going to be a wild card team or not, but they were going to make the playoffs the whole way. And I think that Philly playing with that desperation, it carried over and, you know, beating the Braves three games to one. They look like a very dangerous team in the National League. The Padres also look dangerous, though, as they were able to use some pitching, good pitching to defeat the Dodgers, although... I will say that I think the Dodgers lost this series as much as the Padres won it because you look at the Dodgers, they could not hit with runners on base. And if you can't do that, you're really not going to beat anyone. You know, that's a team that won 111 games, but, you know, if you can't hit with runners in scoring position and runners on base, you're not going to beat anyone. And I do think that, I don't think the Padres got lucky. That's not what I'm trying to say, but... I think the Phillies looked more impressive in the division series than the Padres did. Padres still won. I still had to come up with some big hits. Uh, Jake Cronenworth was huge in that series. So honestly, I don't know about the NLCS, but it's going to be really exciting. Looking forward to that series. That series will start on uh, Tuesday night. In the American league, the Astros took care of the Mariners with the last game going 18 innings. Houston winning one, nothing. Jeremy Pena with the home run in the 18th inning. So um, just kind of a disappointing end for the Mariners. You know, obviously it was exciting with the comeback against the Blue Jays that won them the series. But, you know, Houston's just ridiculous. Jordan Alvarez was unbelievable in the first two games. Obviously had that walk off in game one, hit another home run. Later on in game two, and then the Astros obviously winning with the 18 inning marathon. And that's one of those things, though, that uh, I, didn't, I didn't like, to be perfectly honest. I know that extra inning games are awesome and they're fun, but it's like, I'm sorry, forcing a team to play 18 innings, that's two games. And it's just like, I know that a lot of people don't like the Ghost Runner on second, but it's just like, personally, I'd rather have that. Because I don't want to be watching a game for 18 innings. You know, you had a 15-inning game earlier in the playoffs. And it's just like, I get that it's exciting. And I get that it's, oh my god, it's so... You know, but it's like you can't have games that go on that long. Because just like people lose interest. And it's just like, I think runner on second to start extra innings is just as exciting. I don't really see the, the issue with that. But... Whatever, that's just me. I don't think they're ever going to change that. But it just was frustrating to be watching 18 innings of no score. I mean, that's crazy. So, you know, but the Astros win the series. Um, And then you have the Yankees and the Guardians that will play Game 5 tonight. The Guardians with a walk-off win in Game 3 took the series lead. And then the Yankees bounced back with a good pitching performance from Garrett Cole. Uh, So Game 5 in New York tonight at 7 o'clock. Um, Aaron Seval versus James Italian for the Yankees. So very curious to see how this game goes in New York, but don't count out Cleveland. They're playing really good baseball. So really excited to see who wins tonight, but then the winner obviously will play the Houston Astros Wednesday night in Houston to start the American League Championship Series. NLCS, as I said, is tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in the San Diego Phillies and Padres. So I think that's going to do it for um, MLB. we are going to take some look around the NBA and the NHL. NBA, obviously, season starts tomorrow night with the Celtic Sixers, Lakers, and Warriors. I think that just thinking about this season as a whole, it's wide open. And I think that it's awesome. I do think that, yes, the Warriors won last year, and they look great, but there are a lot of teams that I think are going to be very, very good. The Celtics are going to be good. Um, You know, Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, Miami, Cleveland, they are going to be a lot of good teams in the East, but the good news is the Celtics are one of those good teams too. So really excited to see, you know, can't really expect much from the Lakers, just for me personally, but who knows? You know, LeBron James, anytime you got LeBron James, you got a pretty good shot to be a good team. So curious to see how they do. You know, Dallas is a team that could be a dark horse with Luka. But I think the LA Clippers are the team that, uh, if they're fully healthy and they're fully constituted, I think that they're up there with the Celtics being like the best team in each conference. Um, I do think Celtics Clippers in the finals, that is just my prediction, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but I do think that the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and, you know, a healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George, um, they are like one of the best bill rosters in the NBA. So I think it's going to be them and the Celtics, but I think the Celtics get the job done and win. But obviously, look, it's the eve of the first game of the season, you know, easy to have predictions go wrong, but Um, I do think that this NBA season is going to be very exciting. You're going to have a lot of teams that I think are going to have legitimate shots to win the championship. Um, And that's not even mentioning the Miami Heat who made the conference final last year, you know, or the Memphis Grizzlies. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun season. Uh, The Grizzlies, speaking of the Grizzlies, signed Brandon Clark to a new contract. Um, and then the Warriors agreeing to deals with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. So the four of them, or the the both of them signing four year deals um, doesn't sound like Seth Curry or Joe Harris will play in the Nets season opener. And then the Bucks got news that uh, Pat Connaughton will be out at least a couple of weeks with an injury. So games on TNT Tuesday night. Celtics, Sixers, and Lakers, Warriors, and the games that are on ESPN on Wednesday night, the Knicks and the Grizzlies at 7.30, and then Dallas and Phoenix at 10 o'clock, a rematch of that game seven in the first round. So take a look at some NHL notes. There were no games in the NHL yesterday, which was kind of interesting. Didn't see that coming, but you do have some some injury news on some guys. Uh, Patrick Laine will be out a couple weeks for the Blue Jackets, um, and Matt Murray will be out at least four weeks for the Maple Leafs. Uh, Sonny Milano signed a one-year deal with the Capitals, um, and then obviously, you know, Strawman signing the deal with the Bruins after the uh, tryout. There are some games on the NHL docket tonight. Obviously, Bruins and Panthers at seven o'clock and then some other games, Anaheim and the Rangers, Arizona and Toronto, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Vancouver, Washington, Los Angeles and Detroit, all of those games are at seven o'clock. And then at eight o'clock, Colorado, Minnesota, 8:30, Winnipeg and Dallas, and then 10 o'clock, Carolina and Seattle. So I think that's it for keeping you updated on the NHL. I don't think it makes sense to go through the standings yet because we're not that far into the season, but I think uh, starting next week, we will look starting next week, maybe, or the week after, take a look at the standings. Uh, I will probably also do the same thing with the NFL as we're now into the season, a good amount that we can look at the division standings um, and maybe start to look at some playoff standings. Um, but I think to close out today, we're going to talk some college football. It was, Another uh, week of some risers and fallers in the top 25. College football, just take a quick look at the rankings. Tennessee and Alabama switching spots in the top 10. Tennessee with a win over Alabama. Field goals, time expired. Things got really crazy in Knoxville as the, uh, (laughs) the fans, you know, obviously rushed the field, but then, took down the goalposts, threw those goalposts in the Tennessee River. Uh, Not anything that I have ever heard of before, uh, but that was pretty crazy. So Tennessee jumps up to three with the win. Michigan jumps up to number four with a dominant win over Penn State. Clemson fell back to five. They did win against Florida State, but Michigan looked a lot more impressive. With that game, TCU outlasting Oklahoma State. So they jumped into the top 10 to number eight. UCLA and Oregon also jumping into the top 10. Oklahoma State falling to 11, USC falling to 12 after their loss against Utah. And Utah jumped up five spots to number 15. Syracuse jumped up four spots to number 14. Illinois jumped up to 18 with their win from 24. Penn State falling to 16 after their loss to Michigan. Then NC State falling to 23 after their loss to Syracuse. And then Mississippi State dropping to 24 after their loss to Kentucky. Kentucky moves up to 19 with their win. And North Carolina and Tulane jump into the rankings this week. North Carolina 22nd, Tulane 25th. So now taking a look at some games for week eight. At noon, you got fifth-ranked Clemson, 14th-ranked Syracuse, a very interesting game in the ACC. And then later in the afternoon, there are a couple of good games at 3.30, ninth-ranked UCLA and 10th-ranked Oregon, and then 20th-ranked Texas against 11th-ranked Oklahoma State. And then at 7 o'clock, there's 24th-ranked Mississippi State against 6th-ranked Alabama. And then at 8 o'clock, 17th-ranked TCU, or excuse me, 17th ranked Kansas State against 8th ranked TCU so a couple of good games on the docket for Saturday next week so I think it's probably going to do it for me this week uh, look forward to getting some questions for the mailbag later this week that will be um, probably starting to record a little after 10 o'clock on Friday morning so definitely send in your questions before then can be Boston sports related can be any sport related. I'd be happy to answer your questions. So as always, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts, and you can follow the social pages on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, feel free to post your questions um, on Twitter or on Facebook on you know, either of those pages, or you can send the questions to me directly. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you guys this week, and we'll talk to you on Friday.